Well, good morning. Let me add to Dave's welcome. It's great to have you here with us this morning. And if it's the first time um, that you're here checking us out, um, special welcome to you. We really hope that um, you find uh, your time with us um, encouraging and uh, that you felt comfortable enough to, um, entering into the chat and letting us know who you are, um, getting connected with us. Um, we really, you know, this is a one way of doing church, but it's not the best way. And uh, we really pray that you would get connected um, with with some people um, during this time in our church so that you can um, grow in your faith and grow in your walk with God, uh, with others. Hey, I just want to let you know of a couple of things before I jump into my message for this morning. One is that we celebrated Anzac Day yesterday. And part of um, what, what we did yesterday is as um, a few sale churches combined uh, went down to the, to the local RSL and laid a wreath in honour of those who have served us. And um, it was just one way, you know, we do this every year. Uh, the churches combined put, a, put together a wreath and, and sort of honour those who have served um, gone by. And uh, this year is no different, uh, although it's, uh, we can't celebrate uh, and do a service. Uh, so I just want to let you know that um, you know, we really appreciate those that serve in the Army, in the Air Force and in the Navy. We have uh, a fair number of those that are part of our church and call our church home. And so we want to honour you and say thank you for all you do for us and for our country. Uh, we really honour you um, this weekend. Also want to let you know um, or encourage you to, to take a photo. You know, some of the things that we're finding through this time is that we miss seeing each other's faces and... Um, if you can, if you feel comfortable, uh, it's a great way for us to, to see each other. If you would take a photo, if you're on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, to just tag South Baptist Church in your photo and put it up. It's also a great outreach. Uh, it's an easy thing for us to do, to take a photo of ourselves and put it up. And, and our friends that don't come to church, that don't know Jesus yet, will see that photo, see us at church, and then uh, be able to easily find it and maybe come along next week. So I'd encourage you to do that. Um, just so that we can see what you're doing. Um, if you're not in your clothes yet, maybe you're still in your PJs, uh, that's totally fine. Do it next week. Um, get dressed next week for church. Uh, but just share a photo. Tag Sal Baptist. That would be, that'd be awesome. It would be great to see how you're watching church, how you're enjoying it. Um, maybe you've got some brekkie. Maybe you've got a cup of coffee. Uh, maybe you're sitting out on the grass. Uh, whatever you're doing, um, it would be great to see. Well, this morning... Uh, we are beginning a new series, uh, and I'm always excited to begin a new series, and uh, really excited to, to be to beginning this series in Philippians, and we're going to take, I think it's six weeks to go through the book of Philippians, and I'm really encouraged um, to bring this series to you, uh, because I think it's relevant for, for where we're at. You know, Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church while he was in jail, while he was confined to a small space and unable to go out unable to, to socialise or go get his toilet paper or do it, all the things that he might have wanted to do. But he was... Um, I'm not saying that we're in jail. I'm not making that comparison. But we um, can relate to Paul in the sense that he didn't see a lot of people uh, while he wrote this letter. Uh, but he still had a great outlook on his faith, on life, and what God was doing in that moment in his life. And so Paul wrote this letter, as um, like I said, from, from prison... Uh, Paul began the Philippian church. Uh, you can read um, part of that story in Acts chapter 16. I won't go into that for the sake of time this morning, but um, he wrote that, that letter. Um, sorry, he began the, the church in Philippians in, in Acts 16 as part of his second missionary journey. And there's a bit of a map here I want to show you that 
you know, if you look in the middle of that map of Asia, that sort of orangey browny color, uh, you've got Troas, and they were at Troas in Acts 16 and, and wondering where to go. And the Spirit of God um, prompted them through a dream of, of Paul's to head across um, to Macedonia and to Philippi. And, and there, uh, Paul has some great ministry. Uh, he met a, a girl named Lydia. He got thrown into prison and saw the prisoner, um, prison guards saved. Um, a demon-possessed girl gets set free. You know, there was some great ministry and activity of the Holy Spirit that happened in that time. And uh, Paul was only there for a short time, but it was enough for the gospel to spread and for a church to be established. And Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church in response to a gift that they send to Paul while he's in prison. And so he writes this as a bit of a thank you letter and a bit of a, an encouragement to, to keep going, to, um, to chase after Jesus and the gospel uh, and to keep the, the good work that, that they began together um, in, and moving forward. So I want to read the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 1 and then we'll see what it is that God would want us to, to see this morning. So Philippians 1 verses 1 to 11 says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think of you, think uh, this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in the knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that it is alive, it is active. God, that you want to speak to us, you want to encourage us, and you want to spur us on to action. So God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to, to teach us this morning and to give us the faith and the courage to step out in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as a parent, one of the things I find myself often saying to my boys is um, cheer up or don't be so sad or don't be afraid, you can do it. You know, trying to encourage them or will them into an emotion that they're not naturally feeling in that time. Um, sometimes I find myself here, although we're not working in the office at the moment, with my um, colleagues telling them not to be afraid of a spider or something that uh, maybe is, is not so scary in my estimation. Um, you know... We can see something like a spider or see something that, uh, for my wife, it's a mouse, um, that we are maybe afraid of for whatever reason. And we can tell ourselves cognitively, you know, don't be afraid of that. Stop. Stop being afraid. But it doesn't make the fear go away. And I think sometimes when we look at this, um, the book of Philippians, there's so much talk of joy and rejoicing. And sometimes it feels a little bit like that. That Paul or, or God through, through this letter is telling us to rejoice or be joyful when it doesn't naturally feel like we can. 
you know, Paul is writing this from prison and he is expressing joy and gladness. You know, in the book of Philippians, joy is mentioned four times, rejoice 11 times, gladness three times, depending on which translation you read, maybe more. You know, Paul's got this real um, overwhelming sense of joy and rejoicing in his spirit, even though the circumstance in which he finds himself is not one to be um, joyful about. And so I want to look this morning a little bit about how does Paul face the, the situation he faces with joy, with rejoicing, and what can we learn from it? How can we, if you like, will ourselves um, into an emotion that we, not, we don't naturally feel? And so to start with, I want to talk a little, bit about, a little bit about joy. What do I mean by joy? What does Paul mean by joy? And firstly, I think it's important that we understand that joy is not just um, a decision, but joy is really a feeling. Joy is something that we feel. It's not just an idea. It's not just an abstract thought that we have joy and then, uh, you know, I've got joy and then, I, but I feel terrible. That's not joy. Joy, in, in this sense, is something that we feel, something that has an effect on us. It brings a good feeling to us. It's not just a conviction or a thought. And I think one of the big characteristics about feelings is, like I said, an inability to have immediate control over them. They more or, happen, more or less happen to us. We don't uh, make them happen. You know, if I was to see a crocodile or a shark in the water, if I was swimming somewhere, and I, uh, I wouldn't need to go through a thought process to tell myself to be afraid. You know, I wouldn't say, oh, there's a shark, they've got big teeth, oh, they're, the force of that bite could probably kill me. What should I feel? Should I feel happy? Should I feel sad? Should I feel worried? No, I would just feel fear. It would just come upon me. Like, I don't need to tell myself what to feel. I just feel it. It just happens to me. And, and the Bible is full of commands like this, full of these emotive commands of be joyful, um, don't be anxious, be grateful, be compassionate. See, these uh, commands that are somewhat um, responses to situations which are just immediate, which we don't have initial control over. And these things we can't choose. They happen and they are a result of what we already know or what we already believe. A young child in the same situation in the water, if they saw a shark or a crocodile and they didn't know about those animals yet, they would not have the same sense of fear. They would not have to worry about what might happen to them, even though the danger is just as real. Because of what they know and what they believe. You see, what we know, what we believe, what is already happening in our minds prior to an event will enable us to respond with uh, a certain emotion. And I think Philippians really is a book about how we are to train our mind and to believe and have an attitude that um, wells up within us a, a response of joy in any and every situation. You know, um, in Galatians 5, verse 22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. You know, this kind of joy and thing that we're talking about doesn't come from us. So many of the commands of the Bible, they don't come from within ourselves, but they come as a gift from God. They come from the Holy Spirit at work in us, enabling us to feel something that perhaps we couldn't or shouldn't feel in, in our own strength. We can't force joy. It's a fruit of those who follow Jesus those who are filled with the Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit brings joy to us and in us. So this is not a self-help idea. This is a God-help idea. God helps us through the work of the Holy Spirit to have joy. So it's a Holy Spirit fruit, and it's because of Jesus. Philippians 3 verse 1, we'll get to this in a few weeks' time, but it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't just flip a switch and, and suddenly we're joyful. Uh, he engages our mind. He engages the way we think and believe to gaze and see Jesus. Philippians, some commentators have said, is, one of, is the first Christian psychology book that has ever been written. It tells us how important what we think is, what we meditate on is, and how important that is to our joy. In the first passage of this 11 verses, um, Jesus and the gospel are mentioned nine times. In the first chapter, uh, I think it's 24 times Jesus and the gospel are mentioned. You know, Paul is infatuated with Jesus and the gospel. And it's this one-track mind that Paul has that enables him to experience joy. It's because of Jesus. As we fix our mind and our attention on Jesus, the Holy Spirit partners with us to produce joy in us. Paul did not look at Christ through his circumstances. He looked at his circumstances through Christ. So let's have a look. Verse 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to hone in here on two titles that Paul gives. One to him and Timothy, and one to the recipients in Philippians. The first one here is servants. You know, um, Paul uses a word here that in some translations, and probably more accurately, is um, translated as bondservant. I think in the New King James or the New American Standard Bible, I didn't write it down, but in, in those translations, bondservant is the word that they translate this. And that's probably a more accurate word to to use here. And the idea behind this word bond servant comes from an Old Testament idea. In the Old Testament, people had slaves and people had servants, which they bought or um, people were slaves to someone because they owed an amount of money and so they paid off their debt by becoming a slave. Now, at the end of someone's slaveship or, or, or service for a master, they had an option to stay on as a servant. Um, if they ch so chose to, um, they could become a servant for life because the master was good to them. In Exodus 21, verse 5 to 6, it tells us this. It says, If the slave declares, I love my master, my wife and my children, I do not want to leave as a free man. His master is to bring him to the judges and then bring him to the door or doorpost. His master will pierce his ear with an all and he will serve his master for life. And so in the Old Testament, you have this sense that a servant could become a bond servant, a servant for life, out of choice because his master was good, because he treated him well, and because that was a good place for him to be. Uh, he was well looked after, he was fed, he was clothed, he was housed, so he could serve there for the rest of his days. And Paul here is using this same word, this bond servant idea, to describe himself a servant for life of Jesus, a servant for life of Jesus. And like servants in the Old Testament, Paul recognises that he was bought at a price. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Paul recognises that 
his master Jesus is a master worth serving even though he has been bought and he is free to do whatever he likes he chooses to freely give himself to the best master the greatest master of all time in Jesus and I think Paul from the outset gives us a massive clue as to where he finds his joy right here in this idea that he is a bond servant of Christ that he is a servant for life he is chosen to give his life and to serve Jesus forever. And then he says, um, he is a servant of Christ and then to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Now we hear that word saint and for some of us, uh, maybe we've got a Catholic background and, and we think, well, a saint is someone who is exceptionally good and is dead. That's the only way you become a saint. Uh, or maybe for you, a saint is an author uh, of the New Testament, you might have St. Matthew or St. Paul, St. Luke. Uh, you know, you have to write the Bible to be a saint. But here, Paul is saying, well, you're all saints. Uh, if you're in the church of Philipp Philippians, uh, you're, you're saints, and that's who I'm writing to. And the truth is that word saint could be translated holy one. You know, and this, it's the idea that because of the work of Jesus, he has made us holy. Our standing before God is one of a saint, is one of a holy one. And so, again, it gives us a clue as to what it is that Paul is trying to invoke in the believers here to remember our standing before God. When we remember that we are a saint, uh, we are able to approach Jesus and think of Jesus in a way that will help us to have joy in any and every circumstances. So this is who Paul is writing to. He's writing as a bondservant and he's writing to the saints. And then he gets into this um, sort of prayer or this um, idea of remembering the, the church at Philippi. So as we move on to the next part of the text, verses 3 to 11, if I was to um, condense that into one simple idea, I would say fellowship brings joy. In Paul's mind, one of the ideas that provokes joy in him is the fellowship or the partnership he has with the church at Philippi. The church in Philippi had sent a gift to Paul while he was in prison and Paul is overjoyed by the gift and the intent behind it because he's encouraged to see the church in Philippi is partnering with him for the sake of the gospel. They're hand in hand together for the sake of seeing people come to know Jesus. So Paul outlines what I think is a great picture of what fellowship really is here. It's more than just having someone over for dinner. You know, sometimes we say, oh, we're having some fellowship we had dinner together or maybe it's you know a cup of coffee after church we had some fellowship together or because we went into the fellowship hall that's um, some fellowship you know fellowship is is more than just seeing someone and by the way we're hoping to have some fellowship after church today on zoom so I hope you can join us then um, but it's it's much deeper than that and I think Paul tells us here it's about remembering them having them in our mind it's about having them in our heart and then that drives us to having each other in our prayers. So let's have a look at the first idea here that um, Paul had the church at Philippi on his mind. He uses this phrase, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy. You know, this, it, it, it evokes joy in him when he remembers. Paul recalls the church in Philippi and remembers their heart and partnership in the gospel. And there was a great reason for Paul to have bad memories of Philippi. You remember in Acts 16, you know, when he was in Philippi, he was thrown unlawfully into prison and beaten and, and almost put to death in Philippi. You know, it wasn't a great place for Paul 
in his memory, I'm sure, but when he remembers Philippi, he remembers something um, great about it. It's, it provokes joy in him. He doesn't recall the bad things, but he recalls the jailer being saved. He recalls Lydia coming to faith. What do people remember when they think of you or me? When we remember the gospel partnership we have with each other as Christians, it's a source of joy. It's a way that the Holy Spirit brings about joy in us. When we forget and, and when we put aside the differences that we have and we remember the thing that we have most in common, which is Jesus and partnership in the gospel, it brings joy. You know, sometimes there's, there's plenty of reasons for us to have friction with each other. But instead, we are called to live in unity. And when we live in unity and we, when we remember what we have in common, it brings joy. You know, friction only happens... I've got some blocks of wood here. Friction only happens when um, two objects... I have to admit, I quit science in year eight, and so I'm just going on what I think friction is. So if I'm wrong, please don't correct me. It's just the illustration. Friction happens, I believe, when things, hap when things go not in the same direction. So if I move these blocks in opposite directions, there's some friction there. Or if I have one block stationary and the other block moving, there's friction there. But if both blocks are moving in the same direction, there's no friction. And when we as Christians are moving in the same direction together, when we remember the things that we have in common, friction doesn't happen. Instead, joy wells up within us. And so when we remember each other, let's remember the partnership we have and that Jesus has saved both of us, all of us, and we're all in the same category together. So Paul has the Philippians on his mind. Secondly, he has them on his heart. In verses 7 and 8, you can read about this. It says, Indeed, it is right for me to think about all of you this way, because I have you in my heart. And in verse 8, For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So this moves a little deeper. It moves from just a, a remembering to... Uh, an affection in Paul's heart. You know, sometimes we can just remember people and then it doesn't move anything beyond that. We don't feel any affection towards those people that we remember. We just think, oh yeah, I remember that. And that's it. But Paul here, he takes it a step further. He remembers the affection he has. How can we tell when we have this love towards other Christians? How can we tell when we have real affection towards other Christians? What does it look like? Well, I think for one thing, it has... Um, it has concern attached to it. When we think of someone, we are concerned for how well they're going or, or what circumstance they find themselves in. I mean, that's where uh, the Philippian church wrote to Paul. You know, they wrote with affection to Paul out of concern for him because they heard he was in prison. They sent a monetary gift to him and some encouragement through Ep Epaphroditus. And so when we think of someone, do we think with concern? And I think the other thing that happens when we love or have this affection for someone is that we're quick to forgive. You know, I read this illustration this week. It says, um, tell us about some of the blunders your wife has made, a quiz master asked a contestant on his radio show. I can't remember any, the man replied. Oh, surely you can remember something, the announcer said. And the man replied, no, I really can't. I love my wife very much and I just don't remember things like that. And I think it's so amazing the way that the Holy Spirit works in us to, to forget those things that we have against someone. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 tells us that love does not keep a record of wrongs. 
And when we practice love, we experience joy. When we remember the partnership that we have and the things that we have in common, it drives our heart towards affection. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. This is the work of the Spirit within us. So Paul has the Philippian church on his mind. He has them in his heart. And then he has them in his prayers, verses 9 to 11. He says, I pray this. And then he goes and and begins to pray. It's one thing to remember someone. It's another to be moved with love and affection. But this culminates when we pray for each other. Paul prays something here that maybe um, is overlooked, but reveals something of his secret to constant joy. He prays for a growing knowledge. He wants the Philippian church to have their love for Jesus and, and their love for the gospel grow and to be filled with the fruit of righteousness it talks about. This fruit of love and joy, again, it comes from Jesus. How often do we pray this for each other, that we would grow in knowledge, that we would grow in our understanding of who Jesus is? Remember, real joy comes from the Holy Spirit as we understand or know more about Jesus. Remember, the Holy Spirit partners with us as we think about what Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit partners with our attitudes and our thoughts to point to Jesus. And we're going to see this time and time again through Philippians. And he, he helps us to have that lens, to have joy in any circumstances. It causes us to know something different, so our immediate reaction is joy, instead of fear or worry or anxiety. When we look at our circumstance through Jesus, rather than look at Jesus through our circumstance, we'll experience joy that Paul experienced. So can I encourage you this week to remember each other and to remember the things that we have in common, to remember that we're partners in the gospel, to to let that drive you to have affection for each other and then to pray for each other. And I believe that as we do this, as we have this sort of fellowship with one another, which we can have when we are apart, Paul had this fellowship with the Philippi church while he was in prison and they were in Philippi. Uh, we can have this fellowship, this deep connection with each other that God has, has for us and it can bring joy to us. Let me pray for you as we close our time together this morning. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. And God, we thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And God, you want to partner with us for our joy. And Lord, I pray that this week that we, want, we might remember each other, that we might be stirred with affection towards each other, and then we might pray for each other. And God, that as we do that, we would experience the joy, the fruit of the Spirit. And God, that as we do that, people would see the joy, the work of God in us, and they would be drawn to it for themselves. So God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Can I encourage you to click on the Zoom after party link that should be in the comments now and uh, join us. If you don't have the Zoom app, we'll be on there for maybe half an hour or so um, and you'll have time to download and and find it. Um, And this can go on while the kids continue with their stream. So parents, maybe have a second device and you can be on Zoom while the kids are doing their uh, thing and uh, it'll be a blast. I'm sure there'll be plenty of technical problems, but we'll all get through them together and we'll give it a go. So hopefully I'll see you there in a minute. And kids, stick around. Your stream is about to start.